Parshas Shmini. Unbridled love kills, but so does overbearing discipline. We all know that Ava and Yira, the fusion of both passion along with respect for the protocols and discipline which is halacha, the healthy balance between the two is indispensable to Avaidas Hashem. I would like to develop this theme from an intertextual study of our parsha along with our Haftorah. So let's dig in. In this week's parsha, we have the joyous celebration of Yom Shmini Lemiluim, the inauguration of the Mishkan, which suddenly deteriorates into mourning. Nadav and Avihu were overcome with a drive for spontaneous worship. On their own accord, they sacrificed Eish Zarash Elotsuva, incense which they were not commanded to bring. And not only do they bring unwarranted incense, but they draw too close. Their motivations were pure. They are overcome by love. As the Medrash says, Bikshulahosef Ava al Ava. They sought to increase the Ava of this moment of exciting dedication of the Mishkan. But what they were missing was Yira, the reverence, the sense of boundaries when they marched in too close in spontaneous worship. So here we have unbridled love, quite literally, kills. In the same vein, our Haftorah serves as a beautiful sister passage because the Haftorah deals with a story in Shmuel Bay's where once again we have a dedication of a place for the Shekhinah. David HaMelech is leading a procession to bring the Aron, to bring the Ark back to a resting place amongst the Jewish people. And amidst that joy, that dedication, that inauguration of a place for the Aron, tragedy strikes because as the wagon carrying the Aron shifts and the Aron shifts a bit from his place, we have an individual who grabs onto the Aron with his bare hands, which is considered inappropriate, irreverent towards the Mishkan to be handled by a mere mortal's hands. And what happens is death. Fatal consequences from heaven. Once again, in an unmistakable deja vu, joyous dedication of a place for the Shekhinah deteriorates to tragedy, to fatality, when there is Ava without Yira. A certain sense of familiarity, ability to approach the Shekhinah or the Aron without the appropriate reverence. Not only are the two episodes, our Parsha, the Nadav and Aviyu story, and our Haftorah, this story of 
the tragedy of grabbing onto the Aron. Not only are they conceptually similar, but there is a beautiful clue in the Haftorah echoing of the story in our Parsha. Because the Haftorah tells us, and really the entire Sefer Shmuel tells us, that the place where the Aron had come from is from the house of an individual named Avinadav. Now that name, Avinadav, is so evocative of our parsha because the tragic figures in our parsha are Nadav and Avil, and here we have both of their names fused together in the name Avinadav, Avihu and Nadav here, the evocative quality, the remis here is unmistakable to see this second story of dedication, inauguration of a place for the Shekhinah along with its tragedy when an individual draws too close with too too much of a sense of familiarity, accessibility without Yira the text is itself cluing us into this deja vu phenomenon, once again unbridled love Hills. However, there is another dimension to the Haftorah. Along with unbridled love kills, we have a very powerful affirmation of the quality of Ava, passion, sentimental expression in Yiddishkeit. Because the Navi describes here vividly how David HaMelech danced in front of the Aron with all of his energy and with a full demonstrative self-expression. Clear Ahava. And he is only praised for this. Despite the fact that David's exuberant display was standout, could have struck one as almost undignified and unrestrained. In fact, his wife Michal, Michal the daughter of Shaul, who is David's wife, calls him out on this. And she says, you are not acting like a king. You are demeaning yourselves in front of the maidservants comporting yourself this way. But David tells her right off and actually gets quite personal. He says, Hashem has made me the king over your father, Shaul. He touches on the tragedy of her family of origin, the fact that Shaul's Malchus becomes aborted. And he says, I know what I'm doing. I am the right king. And if anything, my behavior is dignified. Hashem is impressed with it, and the people are impressed with it. So here we have, side by side, with our Haftorah and our Parsha's criticism of unbridled love. An affirmation for, of the need at the same time for Ahava along with Yira, and even a display of Ahava, which is provocative, which strikes a Michal Bashal as unbecoming. Deeper than that, the Haftorah is inviting us to... to study the very persona of David in contrast to Shaul as a paragon of Ahava. David is telling Michal, I am the king, 
natural, and therefore my model of worship is correctly is correct. That we understand David is Nam's Miras Yisrael, the sweet singer of Israel, a man of the heart, a man of self-expression, the poet of Israel, the singer of Israel, the sentimental heart of the Jewish people. He models the idea, the ideal of Ahava. And between the lines, he seems to be suggesting, Michal, your lack of appreciation of this is because you are the child of the failed King Shaul. Shaul's midah throughout was a self-effacing nature, what the Navi calls Nechba al-Hakelem. A self-effacing nature, which came with a lack of willingness to assert himself over the people, which was as failing as we see in the battle of Amalek. Now this self-effacing nature can be easily coupled and related to yira, restraint, discipline, rain, selfing. Shul is the model of Yira versus Ahava, as reflected in his daughter Michal's criticism of David. But David responds forcefully, I am the enduring king. I am the father, the ancestor of Malchus Mashiach, not your father, because ultimately we need Ahava as much as Yira. There is a final beautiful clue in the Haftorah to this affirming of the role of Ahava along with Yira and a testament to the dangerous nature of Yira overbearing discipline without Ahava. Because this narrative in the Navi as we read in the Haftorah finishes off following this difficult Confrontation between David and his wife Michal. It tells us Michal Bashal never had a child. More than simply a matter of fact, historical trivia fact. The Navi seems to be relating Michal's painful lifetime infertility to the above studied episode when she criticized David. What is the connection? But now we understand. We are studying a story of compare and contrast. Ava versus Yira. Passion versus overbearing restraint. While a person such as Michal and the influence of her father, Shal, a persona which epitomizes cold restraint. Cold Yira cannot cultivate a child. She is rigid. She is tough. She is restraining, albeit L'shem Shemayim. But she is not a cultivator of life, of Ahava, of love, of passion, of Labadekite. Her inability to have a child was a vivid manifestation of her cold, clinical, Yira nature. So here we have, so powerfully, in the context of our parsha, in the context of, a, of our Haftorah, which is on one hand, 
a bitter criticism of unbridled ahava, unbridled love kills, as we see in the Nud of an Aviv story, and likewise in the Haftorah when the individual grabbed onto the arm with his bare hands. But coupled with that is the truth no less that overbearing Yira kills or certainly impedes life. She could not have a child because of her cold, clinical, overly restrained nature. How powerful that these two messages merge together as one in the Haftorah and ultimately in the Parsha, seen in the context of the Haftorah. Chazal, in developing the Parsha through the prism of the Haftorah, so clearly want us to understand the balance of these two ideals. Avan Yira, neither one is more critical, neither one is more foundational. The cessation of either value is equally destructive, equally fatal, kills the Jewish soul. May we all merit to have a healthy balance, to have a harmony of passion with discipline. Ava with Yira. These two mitos, which you might call the double helix, the stuff of life of the organism of Yiddish and Ashama.